Hello again. Thanks for clicking on to Jiffy and Stubbsy. This is series two. Uh, grateful thanks for everyone that's clicked on these podcasts over the last few months. Jonathan Davis, uh, dual code rugby star, came up with the idea that we talk to people that have influenced sport. And boy, have we got a guest for you today. Uh, asked me to join in. Grateful to do that. Grateful thanks to Kerry of London, one of the leading insurance companies uh, in the country for sponsoring this series. And we're in uncertain times in financial, in the world of finance. So if anyone needs any expert help, uh, they need to go to Kerry. Um, here we go. Now, the thing is that what a guest we have this time round. In the sport of darts, he led the way. Now, he's a great player, but he's also a great entertainer. And when you think about the, the razzmatazz and the show business element of darts, this man initiated it. He started the whole thing off. And make no bones about it, show business sells the tickets. It gets people there. This man helped darts move from pubs into massive arenas. Make no mistake about it. He's been at the forefront of everything that darts has done in regards to making it a great show. Um, people say the mod father. People say the godfather. This is the dart father. The dart father, Bobby George, joins us. <laughs> Bob, good to talk to you as always. Um, yeah. In conversation with you down the years, I've always found it really interesting as to what prompted you to say, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to come on with the candelabra. I'm going to come on with a cloak. I'm going to make it a massive big show. What prompted you? Well, in 1980, um, I used to play for the King George V. And um, I was talking to the governor in there when I was going to go in the embassy. And um, he said, uh, why don't you wear a real, like, glittery shirt or something, like the guy who in Spain did. Because we come back from Spain, and he got the idea, give it to me. This guy used to dress up, he, used, he had a yellow cat suit on, with all secrets under it, <laughs> and he used to do Elvis. Couldn't do Elvis very good. But the women said, I said, he's useless, that bloke. They said, but he looks the part. So... The governor said, well, you look the part. I said, all right, I'll wear a sequin shirt. He said, I'll bet you 25 quid you don't. Well, I couldn't resist the 25 quid, to be honest with you, Raymond. So I wore the shirt. Now, when I came out of my hotel room, Ollie Croft's room was opposite. Ollie Croft was the, the runner of the BDO then, and he said to me, oh, uh, Bob, uh, you... You're not wearing that on the stage, right? <laughs> he said, don't you think you've got enough pressure on you? I said, well, they won't forget me, will they? Because if I play bad, they say, do you see that idiot all in secret? Uh, they would never forget me. Now, I had the bottle to do that. And when I was going to go, they called me the Liberace and the dance. <laughs> I didn't go a lot on that, to be honest with you. Anyway, that's what yeah. I want to start. Bill Smith, uh, um, BDO official he was, and his mate Fred, I can't remember his second name, Fred, they got all these big handles on a candelabra from the hotel. And as I went to walk on the stage, they gave it to me. And I picked it out above me and the walks on the stage, and everyone got out, because they could them days. 
because you can't handles in, in there. You have to have um, Mickey Mouse stuff, battery ones. And they had the candles on. So, because I started that, I couldn't get away from it. I, 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 sometimes now I feel embarrassed. But if you wear something, flashy shirts, I didn't have the same shirt all the time. I had ones with butterflies on it, you know. Oh dear, oh dear, when I think about it. And, um, it was, oh, you got your candles with you? I said, hey. Oh, you can have your candles, he said. So, anyway, I went on for a few years and I was, uh, oh, oh, we used to play at, um, the first one was uh, in Stoke-on-Trent. Then we went to the Green. And I, I was working with Raymond then as well. And it was, um, I'd done a few years, and I had a six-year break from major darts. I'd done exhibitions for breweries and that. I went where the money was then. And um, when I went back, I thought, well, I'll have to do something different. So I think I'll wear a, a cloak. See? <laughs> for what? I, I don't know what you're oh. like. I just brilliant. I think it's brilliant, uh, Bob. Oh. I know. I, I just find it. They must have thought you right. If 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 he's wearing that, he's got to be a good player. That's the other way of looking at it, Bob, isn't it? Well, for it made me practice. It made me. I've got like a clown, and you if if you're going to do that, you've got to be good because you you, feel, you make yourself embarrassed. Get embarrassed easy. Anyway, so I'll go to the embassy at Lakeside. And um, there, was a, there was a cameraman, how the music came about, a cameraman called Bob Wilson. He's very young, he's not with us. Great cameraman, he took some really good shots. You know, like, uh, he took one for me in, in front of this screen, and when you look, there was a thousand of me. It was, you know, the way he'd done it. He was really clever, he was. And I, I said, I said something boring, something. He said, he said, well, how about you doing some music? I went, yeah, oh, that, that would work. I said, but I don't think they like it. So I said, the B probably won't like it. So he asked the B, they said, yeah, 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 we'll we do that. So I asked Ollie Croft, he said, yeah, if you want to do it, do it. So I've done it. Now, my first actual walk-on with the music was a great um, song for everyone to get going. It was what to be in my game by Gary Glitter, right? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> I, had to I had to change that one. You know, it, I, that was my luck. It was a great record because everyone got involved straight away. Want to be in my... You know, it was a... But obviously, we could, I can't play it now. Um, so, what I thought, I thought, well, I'm still doing music, but I do... Um, Something else. So I listened to a lot of records and I'll come up with the Queen because the Queen, we are the champions. It says we are. It doesn't say I am. It says yeah. we. And if you, and I'll get, uh, you know, the face, but I'll come up. You know, it's all about play dance, really, if you listen to the music and the So I use that and I've got a cloak and then. Uh, I was going to get a crowd of you know, so I was glad I didn't <laughs> overdone it. But I'm, I'm going to queen, like the queen. 
proper crown I couldn't get one. So I wore, I wore a cloak um, and I went on. Um, people loved it. They just, as soon as I put the music on, on they're, all, they're all singing, they're all um, happy. It's a party. It made, a, made it theatrical, I suppose, but it's more of a party. It was more of, um, it was enjoyment to do it. And so when you do something like that and you see the crowd, all their arms up singing with you, it's a fantastic feeling. You can't buy that feeling. doesn't matter what money you got in the world. If you've never done anything like that, you'll never experience you know, I used to love it. Um, and then, obviously, few players didn't like it. You know, they said it was bad for the game and... Um, Candles and sequins and all this. It's you know this is a serious game, but it's serious again when you play. But when you for the audience, when you have your walk on, you it's fun and they can get involved better. They can dress up. I've got a cloak and um, all the jewelry. I wear all the gold and the diamonds and all that. I just don't do that. Um, some people used to copy you. So in the audience, you had like probably hundred probably Georges or something. So and then. Eric, um, with a crafty cot, and they started wearing shirts like him. And it, it promoted the sport in a better way than it was. At the time that snooker began making waves on television, darts was also making a big play for television airtime. Right now, its popularity is not quite what it was, but it still boasts its star players, none bigger than the dazzling Bobby George. The man who knows the way to do it brought show business to the world of darts. I think I hear him coming, ladies and gentlemen! Bobby Dazzler, Bo Jangles and of late Mr Punch. 48-year-old Londoner Bobby George is a 24-carat showman. He lit up this year's World Championship and looked on course to win it when suddenly there was a twist of fate. Do you, don't you look at it? Do you look at it now, Bobby, and you think, oh, "Well, hey, I was, I, I started that because you see it all now, you know, and they're all in the crowd, and they're all chanting, all singing, they're all in fancy dress." You know, you have a right smile on your face and go, "Well, hey, I was the catalyst of this." I, I, I do, but a lot of people don't know that I actually started it. Yeah, I took a lot of stick over it to do yeah. that, but now they all do it, and. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of them that know her, they appreciate me starting it because it, it's made the way for darts and the more entertaining. And you get all different walk-on music. Some of them, I think, why do you put that on? Terrible, they all. <laughs> Must have been a funeral or something, you know? But I, 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 I got two records I, I use. I use the, the Queen, We Are the Champions, and um, then I have to play, I play someone from the audience and all that. But sometimes I have to play Michael Van Guren, which is a very good player at the boys. And I can't help by the Beatles. Bob, something I've wanted to ask you for ages. Three players who really changed the face of darts. Eric, the great Eric Bristow. Mm. Phil Taylor. Mm. And you mentioned there, latterly, Michael Van Guren. Yeah. For whatever reason, put those three in order, please, in oh. contribution to darts. Bristow, Taylor, Van Gerwen. Well, uh, Eric, um, 
a good player, he mouthpiece. You know, he he sort of had that. He tried to do a classic. Everyone hated him. See, so they they tell you on the watch him get beat. If if at them days he didn't really get beat much, but um, he he was uh, he was a what. He's a good guy to to work with. I worked with him for a lot of time, a lot of years. Uh, he was like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. He was really nice um, when you get to the venue and have a few beers. But eleven o'clock, he, he hated you. He, he had a different. He's a complete the booze. You couldn't handle it. He got nasty, but he wasn't tired when he was doing maybe a cup of tea, or like bow and all that. Well, you have a meal, I've got that, don't worry, but he wasn't tired. But he was just rude when he had a drink. He was a great player, people wanted to watch him because uh, it was give it all trap, he give it all the mouth, didn't he? Traps it off a lot. And then you get Phil Taylor, he just uh, dedicated dark player, Phil, because he, he, uh, he, he won a lot of um, solvents quick, really. Um, he was... Uh, he wasn't great to watch. He wasn't didn't have the buzz as much as say Eric had, but he was so consistent. That's what made him different. He was the same all the time. It very rare he had a bad game. Um, but I, I, I'll get on all right with Phil. I, I mean, I talked to him on the phone. He phoned me up, he's up every week. Um, doesn't get on the dartboard as much as he did, but he used to play five or six hours every day. <laughs> That is boring on your own. Mm. on and walk up and down, up and down, up and down. I know practice makes perfect, but I, I couldn't do that. I wasn't built that way. But he said, if you don't practice, you can't hit the dog. told you. So he practices, practice, 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 practice. And then he, he uh, had enough now. He still does exhibitions, still a great player. Um, the different with him, uh, oh, he won at champion 16 time. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking him, but look, it's easier. The first two he won, he won on the BDO, which he had the qualifier and everything. The next, he the more or less invited, and um, he didn't have he played the same players all the time. It wasn't the mixture like it is today. So, if you play, if you beat a team, uh, rugby player beats this team. And you beat them again and again. In the end, you know you're going to beat them. You've got no fear factor. They just beat them up. Well, that's what Taylor done. He beat them up. And um, I used to call um, the PDC uh, Phil's Dark Club. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he won all the money. I called Phil's Dark Club. I said, what are you? I said, BDO, Bobby's Dark Organisation, I used to say. Um, and then you get, was it, so this, uh, I've done, so at, um, Michael. Michael Van Guren. Now, Michael Van Guren is completely different from both of them guys <clears throat> because he's a natural guy. He's a natural boy. I've known him since he was 13 years old, and he was a tremendous player when he was 13 years old. I mean, when he was 15 or 16, he used to win the Opens in other countries. He was just under 18 um, when he won the World Masters. He beat uh, Adams in the final and played absolutely marvellous. And I work with him ever a lot. So he's not like, oh, he's playing well this week. He near enough plays well all the time. Um, 
before he used to win everything. This, this last couple of three months, he ain't played so well. But he's, I said to him, look, Michael, you, you've got a gift in dance that not, not many people have had. Um, he, he, he upped the level of the game and all the other players are trying to get up with him, which some of them have done. But um, you know, I said, I'll call him a bottle, a bottle of milk. He said, what do you, what do you mean, Granddad? Because he told me, Granddad, what do you mean, Granddad? I said, um, you're a bottle of milk. I'm a bottle of milk. I said, yeah. I said, you shake it, bottle of milk up and stand it on its own for a while. The cream always comes to the top, Michael. I like that one, he said. Uh, that, that night, I was interviewing him. He, he won, only recently, he won his, that match in, I don't know what he was, Premier League or something. And, and the, uh, the, uh, the guy said, well, you didn't play very well, Michael. Uh, well, you know, he, when they interview him, they, they always interview him to see if they got something wrong at home or is his arm fell off or something. There it goes, you do the sport, goes like, and he's oh, nothing wrong with me. I like a bottle of milk, probably cause the milk. You put the milk down and shake it up, and they put it down, and the cream always comes to the top. Oh, uh, that's asking him the question, didn't know what to say. He, he went quiet, he, he thinking he did have a thing. He thought, How am I going to answer against that? So he's playing, right, he's playing a little bit dodgy, but. Eventually, I'll be back there, you know? But yeah. he's the lovely player. He's great to watch. But well, just <coughs> really ridiculous darts. I've seen 11, 11, 11, 11. Unbelievable. Nine darts. It's unbelievable. Um, what was it like? What was it like, Bobby? When you know, because I grew up watching you lot. You know, it was on all the time, and we're lucky yeah. in ways because we had some great, great dart players. Because all, all the country watching, it. you know, you, you know, Alan Evans, Leighton Reese, yeah. you got Gary Price at the moment. So, because yeah. I remember, what was it like playing in that era? You know, you had Cliff Lazarenko, you know, uh, John Lowe, uh, all, all of those. I just, I thought it was a great time. So it must have been a real buzz, unreal competitive. When you know you burst onto the scene and you're on national television, even having millions and millions of viewers watching you. Yeah, well, I, I was lucky. To, I think I was at the right time in darts. Um, television got involved, and uh, you had the characters, Alan Evans. Yeah, mad. <laughs> oh yeah, he wanted to fight everyone. He couldn't. <laughs> he could. He could nut everyone. He couldn't reach them. To nut them. You know, that's what he was like. He's like he used to wear idol shoes on. Right, really high ones, like, um, oh, come on, pop stars to wear them, and he could only walk in them, but he had to be high. You know, he had to probably, so he used to wear these shoes. They looked like lumps of, it looked like he got a pair of shoes and banged loads of wood on the end, you know what I mean? And, uh, but he was a character, he was very good at talking as well. He got John Lowe, um, <laughs> well, he's, he's, so, he's so tight, he is, John Lowe, so tight, right? <laughs> Miserable, not my <laughs> different person, different personality. I'm not so bad now, but he thought everyone had to have a briefcase and a bowl of rat. You know what I mean? Couldn't be, you know, mustn't do this and mustn't do that. And then you had like um, uh, yeah, Tony Brown, he was a great player, he was a good cricketer as well. Twelve of us together, that we were all, we all had a personality. And that, I think that's what made the dog 
to get a bit of fun with it as well. Um, the television knew that, uh, and the organisers, you know, Adam was going to play up. He had an excuse all the time. Everything was an excuse. Layton never said nothing at all. We were just all oh, do, do, all oh, do, do, right? When I tell you, you couldn't understand him because he comes from that place. He spelled funny, isn't it? It was, it, and it's a bull. And it's a bull. Is that's it? He comes from it. Yeah, yeah. What was that name? It's terrible. They can't pronounce it. This to say, like, what's he doing now? He's, he's a roundabout in Anisabal. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bob? Sorry, Bob. I, I can't think of all the, all the other players' names. I, it was brilliant. Bob, down the years, because yeah. I, I know you got involved in the manufacture of dartboards. Down yeah. the years, are all the dart? I know this sounds daft. Are all the dartboards exactly the same? Because even the most minuscule difference in, let's say, a triple twenty bed, even yeah. the most minuscule difference is going to have a massive impact on the averages, isn't it? Oh yeah. When I I start like, when you when you play the new world in my day, then it was the world championship. It was the world news of the world. Everyone in the world went it, and their dartboards were were elm boards. They were wood. And the trebles and doubles were very, very tiny. Um, you could see the wires, but there was no no colour on the top. It was just black. And it was like four. And um, it was more difficult to play on that board than the windmill board. The windmill board was the size of, and it, it was slightly bigger, the trebles, than the News of the World ones, uh, which was easier because you get more average. The bigger the target, easier to hit. And then the PDC brought out another board that was really big as well. I mean, I look at it sometimes, I think, if they carry on making them bigger, they might as well not have, just do it red, just put the 20 red, make it all red, the whole 20 or 60, and get bigger and bigger. And the, obviously, the averages, the bigger the target, the more average you get. And I know you've got... It, it, I look at it sometimes and I've been playing, I've played on the board and I looked at it and I thought, I've got it, I've got but not every time, obviously. But I can get a dart on top of a dart in that board. So if I throw a treble 20, I can get a dart over the top of that. In my day, you could never do that. You could oh, right. a dart over the top of a dart. They're, they're bigger trebles and doubles. And people... Oh, no, no, no. I said, I make dartboards. I manufacture them. I know exactly. But it's a good sales technique because people will buy a board that they score more on than a board they don't because mm -hmm. they, they're good, if you know what I mean. You know, so yeah. <clears throat> double the size, you get loads of goals, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's a great sport, though. You know, every, everyone, everyone can play it. Like, I had a dartboard purely because of you lads in my bedroom for, for years and years and I played in the rugby club on a on a Sunday night we had a dance competition I even have we even have a dance competition every Christmas time where I'm living now when there's about 24 of us turn up get smashed oh. right you can't even see the board by the end of the tournament but uh, you know it's such a brilliant social game and I, oh. you know, I, I said a couple of 180s when I was when I was a kid I can't I, I can't do it now I remember we played the, in the competition last year one of the boys is a rarity, right? Because some of them can't, it's 
the board, let alone like you know trebles. But one of the boys hit under under an eighty, right? And then all the pub went up, and then the, the scoremaster said, "You bust." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's he got no score. <laughs> hey, I've seen that happen before. I've seen that happen. I've seen that. In, you get so involved in what you're doing, you forget what you're going for. And he's not looking at the scores. He just thinks that this if I'll score as much as I can. Here's a one eight. God, every fella right idiot and all when that happens. <laughs> then he says something then. But you do feel one when you hit the happen. Well, it seems that the sport is going from strength to strength. Uh, I read about the boys all being on tour on a big circuit in Germany last week. But is it still moving? Is it moving around the world at a high pace now? Is it growing and growing? Yeah, the, the, the dance is massive in the world now. I mean, we used to... Uh, the British Isles was the, the, the king of the dance. And when I started, it was all the British. or Yeah. Um, for overseas players wouldn't win and uh, tournament and blah, blah. But they got so big in different countries for watching it on the BBC and Sky and the other channels that people started... And Germany, I never thought Germany would be so big in dance now, uh, which it is. You know, you know they, they love their dance in Germany. Um, Holland, obviously, always, mm. or 1980, or just before that, because I went to Holland to promote the game in 81, and they had 40. That's all they had. Uh, that's the Dutch. And now, they're, they're, now they've got 5,000 members in the, for the youth. That's how big it is over there. That's why they produce good dark players. Um, and the Germans are coming, getting good at it. Um, so if China started, uh, Japanese players, if China, if they put themselves out, they'd be in trouble because there's too many of them. They, they, out of all that many people, they must get a few filtators and that, you know. Yeah. You know, bigger the, uh, the, 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 the people, country, the harder it is to get to the top in that. The smaller the people, um, some people get invited in the World Championship and they, they've got more people in Ilford, live in Ilford than they do in their country. And they, they put them in to represent their country, but they've got no chance at all because they haven't had the pressure to get there. That's yeah, the, old, yeah. the pressure to get to the, the top game. Um, when you're there, it's up to you yourself what you do, but to get there is the hard thing to do. Overall, the world has got bigger. Yeah, it, I go abroad and I, I went to America and this, I thought, but didn't realise even America watched all the dance. And they said, hey, this one was a hi, Bobby. I said, hello, the airport I was. And um, she said, I don't know what you call your game, but it's really good. Well, what she saw is little arrows at the ball at something, she said. Look, Bobby. Was a red. Um, so even America, they know you in America. I've been walking down the road in America. Hello, Bobby. It's unbelievable, isn't it? That they can recognize the country you go because of the television and the dark place. Not only that, when you're playing darts, your face is on that television. It's not like footballers, they're running about. You don't see their faces all the time. You know their names, but you wouldn't recognize some of them if you see them in the strip. But the dark players, you recognise them because they're full face on the television. So, 
got big. Television promoted it, and Barry Earn done really well to the push it forward. Yeah. yeah. So, um, he's, he's helped the game a lot, a lot, and he's helped the players a lot because they're earning a few quid out of it. And what might yeah. you earn money um, in exhibitions, working for the breweries and doing shows. Now, you earn money in tournaments. That's the that's the difference. And you could yeah, we used to have like, you know, all the, all the kind of the Lakeland Reese's and the Allen um, Evans coming round the rugby clubs and everyone, you know, in that village end who yeah. thought they were good would have a crack at, you know, all those boys. And, you know, the interest that it, it brought to, to the rugby club and all the social clubs was brilliant in them days because, you know, darts is a very simple game, works on your maths and everyone thinks they're better than everyone else until... The pros come along and put everyone back in their box. But for that night, the interest and the laughs we had was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Well, it might not because you're a Welshman, but I've done so many exhibitions in Wales. Oh, yeah, you have, yeah. Yeah, and they used to call me um, Daffy George. And then, right. Um, I played all the clubs, the Triolke Club I went yeah. to. They were quite up the top in them days. I'd have done all the, all the valleys, all, all the lot, every club and pub. But it was not because you're Welsh. One thing what I say about the Welsh, when they give you a chance, you know, they, they came on and they give you a chance. They watched and see how you play. And then they, after you've done a leg, oh, great game, they give you, do it in London, everyone's talking. Yeah. It's different. So when you've got a singer in your club, you give them a chance. If uh, a, a comedian, you, you, you're taught to give them a chance. Yeah. I remember I've done Bridge End Rugby Club. That was the first. Yeah. yeah. That's the first exhibition in Wales I've done. Yeah. I played later recent. Alan Evans, uh, Colin Baker was with me. He's another good top at the time. But I always remember that. They give you real good. They're yeah. real. They listen and they... Yeah. But if you're no good, they don't tell you you're no good. They don't have your back no more. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. But there's a lot of good in Wales that even now, because people uh, haven't got the money to travel. But it's yeah. good talk. But Gerwin Price, uh, Price is on, on the up, isn't he? How good is he? He's a good player. He's got yeah. the... He's earning a few quid now. So he, he wants a few... You get like the old taste for the money... But good luck to him because he puts himself yeah. out. A lot of people don't I like him. I know he's not rude. He's very polite. He's a Welshman and they're not rude. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Polite. What he he's aggressive. He's, yeah, he's, um, what he is as well, he's, he's finished playing rugby, right? So he's come from a contact sport where there's intimidation, there's a bit of banter. So, you know, sometimes that might spill over because, because of his competitiveness, you know. But he's given rugby up just to come and play darts. Well, he's done the right thing and all. Mm, he's done he does. No, he's not an aggressive person. He's very, no. he's very, he has, I always have a giggle with him. He's, he, him and his mate always, always have a laugh. He's always funny. When he's playing, then that's his, mm. he, he feels. So it's not meant to be nasty. It's just no. his energy out of his body. Mm. You know, wants the 180, gives you a year, get on that. The old things in his neck going. Yeah. But I like, I like all that. I think he needs yeah, some. I don't want to see a bloke take a dartboard. 
walk away like sulking or something. You want a bit of aggression, a bit of chin. Makes the game more interesting. Makes Bob, you want to hate them. Bob, yes, alongside your darts career, uh, I'm just keen for you to remind Jiffy that you have a cinema career, One Man and His Dog. That film you were in was terrific. And then as well, talk about chapters in life. When you're in the Royal Marigold Hotel, that was a great watch on oh, TV. Yeah, yeah. And then when you went to the United States to do Going to Pot, I must admit that the thought of having worked alongside you for many years, when I heard you were going to the United States to do a documentary about cannabis, I thought this is a must-watch program. So your, your, career, your career over recent years in terms of the cinema and television has been wonderfully entertaining. Yeah, I, I've been lucky, really. You've got, to be, you've got to have a bit of luck, haven't you, Raymond? I just, the um, BBC asked me what I mind doing a real, all the real man go hotel, travel, different. We went to India first, which the, India is a marvellous country, lovely people in India. There's thousands of people, just like hence. Oh, it's unbelievable. And they're all doing a job. They're all working. There's no waste in India. You don't, they don't waste anything. There's, there's no, there's no dustman. They put all their dust rubbish in, on a corner, and then uh, the cows come up. They got all these cows. They rip the bags up and see anything in it. Then the dogs come up. Uh, wild dogs over there. You wouldn't think wild dogs are gentle as anything because they're they've always been there. You know, kids ride their back, pull and never get bitten. Um, and then up come the pigs or something to eat uh, bacon. And the pigs go out, and then the kids come along after school and pick all the metal up and plastic and get so many roots. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. There's dead, completely gone, everything. Every bit of rubbish is gone. So they don't wait. And the plastic, they make their roads with out of their plastic. They chew, chew it up and they mix it with, um, obviously, some oil or whatever. And they lay, it looks like tarmac. They lay the roads with their waste plastic. That's what we should do. What a marvellous thing. Don't have to chuck it in the sea then, put it on the road. Because, you know, nothing eats it on the road. In the sea, they're eating plastic bags and killing everything in the sea. So, that well, we think we're not so we're above that country, but we're not. We could learn from people that are not a rich country. Then I, I went to like Japan, that, that was interesting. Japan, very polite. I couldn't, you know. I thought I like this. They keep bowing to me. Um, they're very tidy, very clean, spotless. The ready mix lorries. Oh, you talk, talk about ready mix lorries. I see one. It had it was all chrome wheels and everything. And I thought, I've got to have a look at one of them. This must be a show one. And I passed this building site. There's four of them all lined up, all chrome wheels, ready mix lorries, spotless. You wouldn't think unbelievable. So you look every. Uh, China, that's right, China. Um, Russia, right, interesting. You know, Russia's a lovely, lovely forest. I know, you see the silver birch trees in Russia, like, you can't put their five foot across and hundred foot high. Never seen trees like it. Um, that's things that stick in my mind. Russia, food's brilliant, everything. People, play, they play dance in Russia as well. So a few of them knew me in Russia. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but the best one I've done, I thought, was Wisconsin. Um, I went for marijuana, and it was so. I was there for a month, and it was 
educational, I tell you. Some bit of kit that plant is what he can do and um, how he can help people. It's amazing. I was amazed because never tried it, never took it, went there. I'm doing a program. I thought, well, you can't run it down or say it's good or bad if you don't try it. So um, the first time I ever had it, I went to this, like a nunnery. They were dressed as nuns. Do you think they're nuns? And they're um, nuns of the valley or something they call themselves. And they grow marijuana and they sell it. And they help um, ladies that have lost their husbands and all things like that. But you think they actually are uh, all dressed like a nun. Fred, do you want to pass it around? Is anybody going to try it? I don't Does anybody want to smoke. No, it's not, it's not tobacco. No, but I, I can't inhale. I suffer from asthma and smoking really affects me in a bad way, so I cough a lot. Linda? No, thanks not. I know Biggs won't do it. But Pam seems much more open to the idea of trying it. It was weird to see Pat Butcher, that she said, I live in it, these dinners, smoking a joint. She had a go, she did, I get, you know, I've got to give her a credit there, she had a go at everything she did. That first puff with the nuns, after a few minutes, just get a lovely, relaxed feeling. Don't bogart that joint, my friend, pass it over to me. Before he came onto this US trip, Bobby had never tried marijuana in any form. Two or three puffs. Makes you feel like you've had about maybe four and a half pints. That's what I feel like. Oh dear. <laughs> and the mother superior's got a bigger hat on. And after the program sat down, she's rolling a joint outside. I thought, I'm looking at a nun rolling a joint here. And she said, What a joint? But I said, and as oh, don't be stupid, she said. I thought she'd call me in something else, and I thought the nuns called me that and all, but I'd try it. And I, tr I tried a pub, I had a few, it's like a, probably like three parts of lager, to be honest with you. It's not sort of, you don't see pretty colours, they got it mixed up with LSD. It's not, I didn't wake up in the morning and said, God, I've got to have that again. Uh, you know, it just, uh, I tried it, There's, they've, they've made one that smells of lemon, because smell of it, I don't know. Um, they, they, they grow it in um, buildings that are spotlessly clean, all run by the government. They grow it properly. And you can tell the difference with the marijuana that's growing in the, in the gardens outside and the government ones, completely different. different. It's easier to, to smoke, doesn't burn your pro. Um, it's, it's, it, I learned a lot with it, so I won't. It's got bad points, but it's got the, the good points. You met ladies had cancer, they've had it, got rid of the cancer. Of, they've got horses had cancer on their on their um, throats. They've done it with the marijuana. It, it, so it, don't knock anything really. Uh, it, all all good stuff comes from different uh, plants. So we've got to look after all our plants because there's plants out there that can help us like marijuana does. Not just getting high but for medical reasons. Yeah. Bob, time has beaten us. Thank you very much indeed. As always, wonderfully entertaining, Robert. 
Jonathan, I always it's I always call Bob Roberts, and he always seems to call me Raymond for whatever ever reason. But, but, Raymond, because yes. your mummy your calls you Raymond. That's yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that story one day, Bob. About my mum calls me Raymond, and a certain football manager called Brian Clough used to call me Raymond, and Robert George calls me Raymond. So uh, that is. That is a good. That is a good trio for sure. I think, yeah, I think I think my mum calls me Jonathan. That's about it. Yeah. No one else. No one else calls me Jonathan. So, uh, but it's been brilliant for me to, to listen to Bobby because I, I, told, I told Bobby before we come on. I oh. sat next door to him. Yeah, I, I sat I, next door to Bobby in a in a sports personality of the year many many years ago, and he talked me through how we built his own house. That's yeah. it. Yeah. There and we I tell are, you what, Jiffy. Next time, Bob, we're going to ask you to come back on again. Next yep. time. We'll ask you to tell the story of how you turned up for Sports Personality of the Year and ended up and ended up with Paul Gascoigne in the champion's reception on the sixth floor or whatever. Um, suddenly got a case of lager in there as well. That's a story for next time. Thanks yeah. to Kerry London for sponsoring Jiffy and Stubbsy. Uh, Robert George, what a star you are, sir. Bye-bye, everybody. And thanks for listening to Jiffy and Stubbsy. Hope you'll join us again. Please hit the subscribe button.